This episode of The Swell Pod is brought to you in partnership with Kiln. Kiln provides flex office space for teams and individuals. Their all-inclusive set of amenities helps startups, creatives, and entrepreneurs alike get work done. Learn more about Kiln at kiln.co. What does it take to create something that never existed before? What does it take to challenge the status quo? What does it take to change the world? This is The Swell Podcast where we're passionate about the seed of an idea and how it swells into a movement. Take a journey with us as we seek the answers to those three questions through the stories of thought leaders, world builders, game changers, disruptors, and other pleasantly rebellious humans who ventured into the unknown on a personal journey to do something novel, innovative, creative, and or disruptive. So Josh, tell us about our special guest today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Spencer. So today, uh, you know, we have Clint Betts, the CEO and co-founder of CEO.com and Silicon Slopes. And, you know, thinking about what this podcast represents, the idea of creating something from nothing, creating a swell, a swelling movement with an idea, taking it into something that permeates, uh, you know, permeates a culture, permeates a, a world, permeates uh, a location. You know, I think Clint definitely fits that description. Been passionate about building communities, uh, for the longest time. And in this episode, he shares his unique perspective on the growth that he's seen within uh, Silicon Slopes through his own lens and, and shares the story of how it got to where it is being Silicon Slopes and the rocket ship that it is for the tech scene in Utah. So we hope you yeah. enjoy. Oh. Yeah, enjoy guys. It's going to be awesome uh, or a brilliant episode. Welcome, Clint, uh, Betts, to our uh, podcast, the Swell Podcast, Swell Pod, um, where we ask, uh, like you said, uh, Josh, several different questions around creating things from nothing. Um, we just want a great conversation today. So welcome, welcome, uh, Clint. Uh, Josh, you want to give a quick bio? Uh, bio? Yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, Clint is the CEO and co-founder of CEO.com in Silicon Slopes. He's been building communities, products, and events for over a decade he believes in a community's power and influence when intentionally organized. Uh, you also believe our lives become defined by the chances we take and the chances we give. Uh, and you've been quoted saying, there's nothing like taking a chance on yourself. It conjures an extraordinary mix of emotions, anxiety, hope, fear, and inspiration. Uh, conversely, he's yet to find anything more meaningful than giving another person a chance. The exciting intentionality to that. And yes, the unwieldy, unpredictable nature of it too. That's cool. Wow, cool. Yeah. I think I wrote that. I think you did. <laughs> yeah. I think we grabbed it from your LinkedIn, maybe. <laughs> or your websites. I'm not sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th this is this is very cool. That's good stuff. So um I know we might have some questions, Josh, around cookies. I'm not sure what your favorite uh, cookie um or, or uh what, what, what do you think about what's going on, by the way, with all the, yeah, the, cookie, the cookie wars, wars right? Yeah. We got crumble. Uh, I haven't been following it too much, but um, like anything like that, the, 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 the local media, like once they, once they can glob onto something, it seems like there's been lots of stories. Um, as I understand it, like crumble cookie is saying they invented the sugar cookie. Is that, is that basically what's happening or they're like, oh, only we can make cookies and sell them. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe, yeah, it's uh, it's trademark infringement, possibly alleged trademark infringement on um, some of the processes uh, down to. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, some of the things like that. By the way, I think Crumble's great. Oh, yeah. They're Those always a great cookies. A great gift, too. Like, you know, you can just. I mean, I love their app, pull up their app and send a box of cookies to anyone. What a yeah. genius idea. It makes you think and it makes you wonder what else is like that that's not happening currently. Hmm. Like, like, think about like if, if cookies. So we've got a few things that like are working really well, like uh, cookie deliveries, pizza deliveries. DoorDash is making a lot of restaurant deliveries really easy. But if you think about DoorDash, it's not super beneficial to these restaurants. If you mm -hmm. talk to the restaurants, they're saying like, yeah, we're not making tons of money. We actually, in, in some cases, either break even or lose money on the DoorDash orders for whatever reason, like DoorDash is taking some sort of cut. I'm actually not like super familiar with mm -hmm. it. But one of my uh, buddies is Andrew Smith, who runs Savory uh, Fund. Mm -hmm. And so he owns like all the needers and all of these 
Um, he owns R&R Barbecue and Mobetas and some of these. He may own Crumble Cookies. I have no idea. But he owns a lot of these um, uh, various things. And he says, like, yeah, DoorDash isn't great for us. But Crumble is like bypass that, right? Entirely. Like, download our app and we will bring you cookies. And it really does make you wonder, like, what else could be like that? Like, could you deliver could you deliver coffee for example mm. or could you deliver like hot chocolate or could you like uh th- that's a little bit harder or like donuts how come nobody's mm. figured out like a the donut app mm. donuts are better than cookies i mean i might be controversial but like who hasn't figured out like <laughs> the donut app where that it's literally like delivered to you hot yeah, yeah. that's a dollar idea yeah i would I'll take get that sued for that by crumbles <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're you're talking food, but um, you know you've got, of course, you've got the really good war going on between uh, just dry, like, like washing your clothes, right? The gig economy. So you've got Dray, and then also uh, share which is in like four or five hundred different, you know, sit, uh, you know, different places right now. Um, so just sharing your washing. So it, it is it's taking simple things that we've known for hundreds of years and. Um, and using technology to create a different experience. Uh, Dre yeah, is I, genius. Mm-hmm. First yeah. time I heard about Dre, I was like, "Yeah, this is really cool. I really like this." Yeah, it's it a is, very it's, smart idea. It, it is. You should check out Sudshare. That's um, that's that's actually is that like a competitor or like it, uh, it is in that same space. Yeah, yeah. I, I suspect they'll have some type of war as well. They're like um, three Perfect. or four years before, so they started long a little while ago and very successful. But um, Josh, I know we start with cookies. I, I probably shouldn't have done. You know, I, I really want to talk about like community and how. Where did that begin for you? And where, whether it's community as well as innovation and, and, and entrepreneurs. But where, where did that community spirit, that that strong desire, how far back did it go? And where did where was that seed planted? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to answer it, but but I feel like we have to address this right now. You have. <laughs> a microphone and then you have a headset that also has a <laughs> microphone on it and it's freaking me out dude we had some technical difficulties beforehand um which is why you see spencer in here twice but he's recording on his microphone we're just hearing his headset i think i love it no i'm just kidding all right so uh uh where did community come from when have i uh, you know I'll, I'll tell you like uh, a general answer and i'll tell you like my my uh kind of personal experience with this and kind of how this whole journey has started for me. When I think about at the heart of any community is stories. And that's true of like businesses. That's true of local communities. That's true of sports communities. That's true of political communities. Think about the community at um, the heart of a community is stories. And most of the time, the communities that are the strongest have the best stories, right? And, you know, I mean, politics is an easy one to, you know, attach that to usually the candidate with the best story or the best storyteller will win. Right. If you look back, it's very rare that the most charismatic candidate didn't become president. Yeah. Uh, And so, uh, you know, so you think about it like from, from that perspective, but but at their core if you think about like sports teams why are we fan of sports teams there's this great jerry seinfeld joke where he's like you're really just rooting for laundry because the players uh you know leave we've lost rudy gobert it sounds like we're gonna lose donovan mitchell right but uh, i'm still gonna be a jazz fan and why is that right like like i'm not like attached to these players am i but like why like it's because of the story right it's because of you know, we, we're collectively telling a story and building on a story as fans of these teams, right? And so um, I believe at its core, community, at the heart of any community, is stories. And so when we, I, I was running a dev shop with a couple of buddies of mine in Provo. It's probably 2012 um, at, at this time. And we're, we're looking around. We're working with early stage startups to help them build their initial product or MVP, right? And then they would take that product or MVP and then they would uh, transition to an in-house team. But our role um, as this dev shop, it was called iZeni, was to build that initial product. And in 2012, we actually worked with a lot of incredible companies. 
uh we were uh built the first version of weave mm. for example uh bill uh and the first version and i believe even came up with the name divi wow uh worked with chat books uh i mean there, there's a lot of like uh, a lot of these early st- and, and obviously all credit goes to these companies because yeah. we also worked with thousands that you know, I, I couldn't name for you right now or that are no longer in business but um you know, back then we're looking at this thing. We're like, how, how come no one's telling the story of Utah's tech community? This is 2012. How come no one's writing these stories, writing about these entrepreneurs, writing about these companies, writing about kind of the funding environment, how it works? Uh, that's kind of odd, right? And so um, we started a blog called Beehive Startups, put no thought into the name, really just came up with beehivestartups.com. Uh, I wish we would have probably put more thought into the name, right? It probably would have been useful. Uh, bought the domain for $10 and, uh, I, uh, studied journalism at UVU. So I was like, I can write stories. And so I just started calling these founders up and various people in the community and started telling their stories. And that's literally the start right there. I mean, it was nothing more than that. Um, and and the fascinating thing, I'm sure we'll get into this. The fascinating thing about BI startups was nobody read it. Hmm. <laughs> right and in fact it got so depressing we took google analytics i took google analytics off the site i didn't like oh, this sucks and so like the first six months to a year we're writing these stories and you know they're either good or bad but our one rule was like we're not going to publish press releases we want to tell like authentic stories because you know um we believe that community uh at the heart of every community is stories right and so we want to tell authentic stories not just like push out press releases and so um, nobody was reading it, right? And why would they be, by the way, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, and uh, we popped, I popped my head up like six months, a year later. And I realized, oh, uh, people are reading that. The people I'm writing about are reading it. Uh, and we, a uh, year into this thing, had created a community of people who BI startups had written about. Mm. And they happened to be these uh, major CEOs in the community. And lo and behold, that turned into something. People started asking us to do like events and all these types of things. And then eventually people started reading, uh, reading it. But uh, yeah, that was the start. BI startups was the start of the whole thing. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and so story's just been a part of, I mean, it was that, was that from journalism, let's say, or, or was there something, was there some, some sort of passion that was always there, before, you know, as you were younger, that, that you were just drawn to the stories of others, let's say. You know, if I didn't have, I got married super young. I got married when I was 19 years old. Hmm. And uh, we, 10 months after that, had a baby. <laughs> Uh, this is a weird opening. Like, why is this? <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, if I didn't get married that young and have a kid that young, I would have pursued writing as a career. Mm. Like I, I kind of had to like figure out like the responsibility uh, that comes with being married, and then then the added responsibility that comes with having children. I now have four children. Um, you got to make money. Right. And, and, uh, trying to set off and become like a novelist or some, or, you know, whatever it is, right. Like a poet, <laughs> I didn't see like any way I could make like money doing that. Right. And so, uh, I've always wanted to be a writer, honestly, I'm very like miscast in this role, mm. to be honest with you. Like, and, and maybe we'll get into this, but I've never, uh, I'd never organized an event or even thought about organizing an event until people started asking us to do it. Right. And we're kind of known for putting on events. Mm-hmm. right but uh i didn't know anything about that um and never really had much interest honestly in organizing events or that type of stuff and so to answer your question like uh, for me is like i always wanted to know how to write when i went to i went to uvu and i have so many credits it's it's crazy because i you know, i don't know if you guys were like this but i literally was just like lost at, at college i was like i don't really care I, <laughs> you know i'm not like gonna be a doctor or like a lawyer. So I just want to learn like as much as I can here. Um, and the only thing, the only class I took so many classes on writing, hmm. uh, like different English classes, like magazine writing. And these were the classes that were like formative. 
And I honestly believe this uh, for, for those listening or watching this, like the number one skill that has helped me in my career is like the ability to communicate and overwhelmingly writing has been uh, the, the biggest beneficial thing to, to my career has been able to do that. So even if you're not going to be like a, you know, a full-time writer or somebody who gets paid for writing, it's so critical. It helps you think, right. Which is, which is an incredible, it helps you organize your thoughts. Um, but then it helps you, uh, you know, share those thoughts with others. And there's, there's almost nothing more powerful that I've found um, than uh, being able to communicate, communicate clearly and also writing. So um, that, it's always been a huge focus of mine is like, uh, I want to be able to tell stories. I want to be able to write. I want to be able to communicate well. And um, yeah, it set me on this journey. Yeah. Well, you talked about, um, so you talked about, you know, the idea of experiences and I'm interested to know from your, from your point of view, you know, with your, with your passion around writing and, and, and using writing to, to share stories, but also potentially like connect emotionally with your audience. I'm interested to know, as you, as you, as you started bridging into this idea of creating experiences and creating events, like, um, how did those two things kind of come together? What kind of, as you mentioned, there's skills like thinking critically and being able to, being able to just simply think and communicate, but from an, from an experience and, and, uh, an event-based look at it, like how, how did, how do you think that may have helped you, um, create these, these incredible events, things like Silicon Slopes, et cetera? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, like all of our events are basically centered around stories. Mm-hmm. Like uh, probably what I wouldn't be very good at, but maybe if there was some sort of like storytelling is like some sort of like scavenger hunt mm. or like the um, get out games, right? Where you're like, you're like, I, I probably like wouldn't be good at like those types of things. But most of our, our events are like, tell us your story. Like most of our events are either someone uh, giving a presentation or being interviewed, like like when I interviewed Mark Zuckerberg, for example, and the interview turned into like him, his faith, mm. his like religious faith. And it, it, like we, it, I mean, uh, people can watch that interview um, and really learn about Mark Zuckerberg and not just like the caricature of it, right? And so I knew like uh, the weirdest thing is like we were ever asked to do an event. That's probably the weirdest thing. How did for, that happen? Me. If you don't mind me asking. Well, yeah. Well, again, like, like here, here's the beauty. I'll, I'll, I'll get into this now. Like I mentioned like that six to six months to a year. I'm not exactly sure the time frame, but uh, where no one was paying attention to BI startups, right? That's the most beautiful time as a creator and entrepreneur when no one cares Yeah. and you're able to throw things up against the wall and see what sticks embrace and cherish those times and i think we tell we we try to push people to get past those times as quickly as possible and probably rightfully so because when you're in them it's not like i you know i learned this later i wasn't like in there and like i'm loving that nobody cares what i'm doing right uh but there is some beauty in that creative process where you're just throwing things up against the wall like i remember we were doing like um various like like a Tuesday startup Tuesday or crowdfunding Wednesday we'd do like two of them and then we'd stop doing them completely and nobody cares if I tried that now at Silicon Slopes it'd be like why aren't you doing crowdfunding Tuesday mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah like we care you said you were doing it let's do it but back then it's like ah let's just see if it works if it doesn't work we can stop doing it right and so there's some beauty in those early days when no one cares. And, and it's obviously the hardest part because literally no one cares. Mm. Like my wife didn't care, yeah. right? Like no one in your life cares about like this idea you have in your head and this idea you're pursuing. They're like, all right, but are we still going to have health care? Are we still going to make money? Wait, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you uh, going to law school? Like those type, you know, like they're like, um, they don't care. Uh, and there's beauty in that. I don't, I don't want people to think or immediately dismiss or try to get past those times. I miss those times mm. when, when nobody cares. Right. And so, uh, like I said, like when we were writing these stories, we built a community unintentionally. Now people can take the lessons from how I did this and like actually apply it from the beginning, but I didn't know we were building a community. I just thought I was writing stories. 
And then we popped up like a year later and people began to care about beehive startups. And we were getting inbound like, hey, what if you did like, what if you organize like some events? Nobody brings uh, the tech community together, really. I mean, there were there were a few events. I don't want to act like like nobody was doing any sort of events. But like, what if you could bring folks together? Um, and, you know, it seems like, you know, all these people you're you're writing about them. It'd be interesting for for you or whoever uh, in the community to interview them. That'd be really fun. It was like I like I never even thought about that. Yeah, let's do it. And let's make it about their stories and see if we can have some authentic conversations. And there were other people trying to do this at the time and successfully doing it. Like uh, Derek Anderson with Startup Grind, who had like these various chapters all around the country. For for whatever reason, Utah hadn't didn't stick for 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 that type of thing uh there was also like one million cups which is a little bit different but they were like pitching ideas to like the community and things like that and so this isn't like some novel idea to like bring people um together to like have conversations but the first uh event we ever put on it was called startup conversations again like no thought put being put into these names and uh, people would just show up and we, normally we would have like a VC, like a local venture capitalist interview an entrepreneur or two. And, and, and it, people just showed up. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. It's a really good test. And, I mean, it's just a test and learn, right? I think you need to bring your mic down. Is that good? No, the other mic, the headset mic. There we go. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, so no, I was gonna say test and learn, that's what you were doing, right? Without even knowing it, you were just throwing things out there and 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 actually you described it as the most kind of probably enjoyable moment, right? That 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 year of just trying things. And I, I can I think we can relate to that. We've done quite a lot of work with communities inside big companies. Um, and how do you bring people together and create like a swell or, or, or a movement? Um, I will say this, I probably should have said it at the start, I think your work in be Beehive, I think I've heard of Beehive when, when I was in England, I, I, you know, I'd look at startup environments in Edinburgh and, and in Utah, and I think I've heard of Beehive. But when I first visited, you know, on business, it was to plural site and it was to Qualtrics and it was and I had now now you'd established silicone slopes and I would I'd still love to learn you know past that year like what were the other pivotal moments of learning and maybe success sorry success but as well as failure like to get you to a point where you can have 20,000 or more at, at in a community it wasn't just an event right it's now a community um but yeah, anyway, thank you though for your work because I thought this this thing is happening in Utah and I want to be a part of it in some shape or form. And so I moved my family here um, five yeah, years ago wow. now. But yeah, so what, what uh, Josh, you may have gone, I know you've, you might have had another question there, but I, I, I wanted to really just understand what were the next key pivotal moments. Um, and at some point, I'd love to know about CEO.com, by the way. Maybe we can have yeah, that yeah, as, a, yeah. as a hook. And I'm sure you didn't pay $9.99 for that one. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, so uh, so once BS Startups kind of took got on and we, you know, we held these kind of smaller events. And I'd say like 75 to 100 people were showing up, right? Um, which was insane for us. Mm -hmm. like, it, like at night, we'd get some pizza. They were free events people would show up either to the startup building in Provo or church and state in Salt Lake or wherever we could find a space. We did a lot of them in Adobe actually, um, just like at Adobe's office there, there in Lehigh. Um, once that started to catch on and we started like, all right, events are going to be interesting. You also have to think about the timing. I think timing plays a crucial role in the, in these conversations. Mm -hmm. And we were pretty lucky. Like we started BI Sharps in 2013 and in 2014 was like a seminal year in Utah Tech. That's the year that uh, I believe the first one to raise was Qualtrics. Qualtrics raised their first major event. Nobody had heard of Qualtrics in around the world. Probably not even a lot of people had heard of Qualtrics um, in Utah in uh, 2014. 
and they announced that they'd raised, I believe, a hundred. I could I could have the companies mixed up, but Qualtrics raised one hundred thirty five million dollars. is the largest venture round in Utah history, and it was these big name Silicon Valley VCs who did it right, and Beehive Startups, this random <laughs> domain, broke that story. Mm. Right. And, you know, we were letting people know, like, hey, you can raise Silicon Valley money and, you know, Silicon Valley type rounds uh, here in Utah. There, there's this promo company that just is called Qualtrics. And, you know, here's this guy named Ryan Smith. Right. And then uh, uh, probably two weeks later, I get a call from Aaron Sconard, CEO of Pluralsight. He's like, uh, we just raised 140. And now, again, this could be backer. It could have been Sconner mm-hmm. first and then Ryan. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, Sconner gives me a call and says, hey, we just raised the largest venture round in Utah history. And like, I think it was like 140 million. It was like barely like a little bit more. Um, and, you know, we we broke that story. And, uh, you know, started talking about like, oh, look at what's happening here. And, and then I think a few, uh, it was probably like two months later, Josh James blew both of those rounds out of the water. I think it's like 210. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any, I don't think any of those records stand by the way. I think uh, like, uh, I think they've already been broken, but 2014 was a seminal pivotal year for these three kind of like, if you think about the different waves of the Silicon slope and uh, Silicon slopes in Utah tech community, there's like wave one with like the novels and word perfects. And there's like wave two with like Omniture that Josh did um, is selling mm-hmm. it to Adobe. Like, like uh, Omniture is the reason why Adobe's there um, in, in Lehigh, which kind of started that whole expansion in the Lehigh area. And then wave three, you've got uh, Qualtrics, Pluralsight, Domo, and, um, you know, Entrada. And there's a whole list of companies that, that, that we could all help catalyst, all these different ones that we can name. Inside Sales at the time was really big, um, which is now called Zant. And so... Uh, timing of it was really fascinating for us because you know we we were meeting these people these entrepreneurs these ryan smiths aaron sconards josh james of the world who was a figure long before all of this and he plays a role in um the whole silicon slopes thing um anyway which which we can talk about but uh timing was really useful for us because you got all this money coming in all this attention national press was writing about us national press would never write about utah tech companies ever also like the wall street journals writing about us uh tech crunch is writing about us i remember there was this site called pando daily i don't even know if it still exists anymore but it was kind of a big deal back then um that did like a three-part series on like how vivant and qualtrics and another company were literally next door neighbors and they were all worth over a billion dollars and people were just shocked that that existed in, in provo utah and so the timing of it was was to the point where it's like hey there's a real community here no one's organizing the tech community from an events and stories perspective and really from a movement you mentioned this idea of like a a a swell or a movement nobody's like really grabbing this community of probably 300 400 people in a state of that only has 3 million people and so the tech community is overwhelmingly you know uh, the largest um uh, employer in aggregate in the state of Utah, right? All of these tech companies. And so it's a huge community that no one had really organized, right? And so we started doing bigger events. The first big event was Start SLC, then Start Fest. And then uh, we created the 501c3 nonprofit, created Silicon Slopes, uh, took Silicon Slopes uh, from Josh, made it a nonprofit, um, and merged BI startups into it. The Silicon Slopes brand was already such that uh, it was already like people were already referencing us as Silicon Slopes. There was enough equity in there that um, that brand made a lot more sense than just the random BI startups. Right. And uh, yeah, it just started taking off. It's, it's, it's crazy how quick too. like, again, like that's kind of like the beauty of like early days when nobody cares. Now people really care. Right. And th- that has a lot of advantages and also some disadvantages. Yeah. And at what point did you have fear of the expectation? Is that now more so? Or at what point did you kind of think, wow, this is this is scary, but exciting at the same time? Always. 
every every time like from the i remember the first event we did where it's like man if we get 50 people i was probably just as scared and nervous as like we're holding summit the end of september and i feel that exact same way now it's like will anybody show up and why would anybody show up <laughs> right and like i felt that way with like zuckerberg or, or tim cook or you know adobe ceo or all these you know you know major figures that we've brought in uh i'm like i don't know if anybody's gonna be in the audience this is crazy let's try it yeah yeah so that no, never I, goes away that at least not for me it's not gone away at all yeah yeah you see that's a good thing right to just keep keep um i don't know if the word's humble but just keep keeping your feet in the ground right and it keeps you fresh and keeps you on your toes what 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 is your biggest how have you changed through the through that period of the last 10 years or what's you know some of the biggest things you've learned about yourself as you've kind of been oh, a part a of that question. movement i think for, for for when you think about organizations like silicon slopes or communities like silicon slopes that are you know they're really the community is the whole thing right it's not like you know building communities inside of companies uh where uh the end goal is to like kind of get you to buy a product right which and again like there's authentic companies inside of um or authentic communities inside of companies i don't want to like dismiss that mm -hmm. but silicon subs is a community for community's sake right and you get in these, like I've noticed like these, the types of organizations and, and I've met with like counterparts throughout the country or gone and visited like uh, most, most counterparts are like tech councils or something like that uh, throughout the um, um, country. I've met with them and most people who run organizations like this eventually get into politics. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. They usually run for office. And as soon as the person who was running them leaves, because they build up some notoriety or uh, local fame or, you know, a, a really solid network or maybe like a fun, probably politics because they, you know, meet all the people who fund those types of things. So there's so a little fundraising base. As soon as that person leaves, the organization usually collapses. That's what usually happens. Um, and, I, I've seen that play out. And uh, I think for me, what I learned is like, this could never be about me. And this can never be about those of us who founded the organization, right? That's really hard. That's really easy to say, but that's really hard in practice. Like, mm -hmm. how do you make this thing about, and so, so the one guiding principle for us as an organization is like, what's best for Utah? Is this good for Utah? Not even Silicon Slopes to the tech community necessarily. Like, is, is this a good thing for Utah? And if the answer is yes, we'll do it. And if the answer is no, we won't do it. And it's never like, is this good for Clint? Or is this good for board members? Or is this good for... And so that kind of keeps you grounded. But that ethos comes from early days, beehive startups. Our first kind of big where we got like notoriety is we helped like some 15-year-old beekeeper uh, who got his bee stolen by bee rustlers. And like, we, you know, we saw like a connection to this kid because he was running a literal beehive startup. Our name was beehive startup, <laughs> right? And so we're like, oh, I think he lost like $10,000 worth of uh, honey and beekeeping equipment from like these bee rustlers, which is an actual thing. And, uh, you know, we said, hey, we'll, we'll do a fundraising campaign and get that $10,000 back. And so we started again, we created some video that's back when everybody thought you needed to have a video with your GoFundMe. You don't need that anymore. But, but, uh, early days of GoFundMe, it was all about like the video and, uh, we raised the money. It was like, just about like, everyone was like, why are you doing this? Um, as we're going around the state, like having these prominent CEOs and investors, uh, come on this video and trying to raise some money for this, for this kid. And they're like, why are we doing this? I'm like, I, I don't know. Why wouldn't we do this? this? I mean, he's running a BI startup. He's an entrepreneur. He's, it like devastated their family too. Like this kid losing all of this. Like this is how they put food on the table and stuff. And uh, I'm like, the answer was strange, I think for folks. Cause there was no like end game other than to do it. <laughs> right. 
Uh, and I think that that's when you have, we're not always successful at this and we, you, you could point to plenty of mistakes where maybe we've gone away from, you know, this, what's best for you, Tom, things like that, but at our best and at its best, when the, when it's just like, what's best for Utah or what's best for X, depending on whatever community you're running or trying to run, um, that that's when you're at your best is when you're answering that question authentically and you're being authentic to the, the mission of your uh, community or organization. Yeah, that's great. Isn't it really interesting, Josh? I mean, I know we talked about this before the call about your, I don't know what you'd call it motto, but you know, specifically around le- learning, connecting, serving. And I think that, you just shared some things you've learned about the community, about yourself, but also you, you're actually guiding value should help very important decisions. I'd love to know any, you know, any more that come to your mind. Josh, where did you want to go with? No, that's next? a great question. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Learn, connect, serve. So, so again, I'm not very good at this in, in terms of like uh, put out a mission statement or put out like, uh, you know, this was never my intention to run. Like I, again, I like studied journalism in college. And so, uh, I'm, I'm probably miscast for this, but, but learn, connect, serve is a mission statement. Yes. But it's, it's literally our model. It's the model of how, because a lot of people will ask me like, how does Silicon slopes make money or how do nonprofits make money? Uh, how do you like, why do you, what are you doing? You, you put on some events, you guys put out like podcasts or whatever. Like, I don't get it. You can make a living doing that. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But uh, the, the model is learn, connect, serve. And it's pretty simple. Uh, learn is stories. So that, that comes first because I think stories are at the heart of, a, of every community. So learn is like letting people know what's happening within the community. Mm-hmm whether that's through like newsletters, podcasts, videos, um, name, you know, anything where you're learning about how to like advance in the community, what's happening in the community, uh, becoming a better version of yourself, all that type of stuff. That's all in the learn category. Connect is events. That's the one I wouldn't have uh, thought of um, at the beginning is like people need to connect, whether it's virtually like we're doing right now, or in person, which is, you know, uh, my belief is that's the strongest, right? Because, because events really aren't about who has the microphone or what's happening on stage. Not really. If you think about all the events that you've gone to, it's usually the conversations you had in the hallway or the connections you made, or, you know, the various people you talked to when you were sitting down waiting for the person to come out on stage. That's what you remember about events more than whoever the big speaker was, right? When we do a survey after Silicon Slope Summit, when we have like these enormous speakers like Zuck or uh, Tim Cook or, or name kind of the CEO, it's like the surveys are always about, oh, I made this awesome connection uh, from this. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's their highlight. Their highlight wasn't what we thought it was gonna be when we when we planned this thing it wasn't like oh wow i gotta see i gotta be in the same room as mark zuckerberg like who cares uh what happened is you know we were able to network and make some connections so connect is is super critical and i believe community uh, a great community organization is only strong if they do all three of these right if you had the learn component knock uh nailed down you have the connect component nailed down and you can't forget about the serve component. I think that's kind of like the magic sauce. And that that beekeeping story early on is where I realized the power of that. Um, where if you can organize the community or have the community uh, do a call to action in the community to be a part of something bigger than themselves and even bigger than the community itself. So not only it's bigger than them as individuals, but also bigger than the community itself and go make an impact like we did, uh, we and we've done this. We do it uh, at every summit. We're packing a million meals for Utah families. Um, we did this uh, book drive called Startup Santa for a few years. I mean, there's tons of examples of this being tied into our organization. And I think like the organization itself is this, right? It's like serving and rallying the community to give back and do something that's bigger than themselves. If you can combine those three things, You've got something pretty special, right? And then the challenge is just like maintaining it and not screwing it up. 
Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> so you've got you've got uh, Silicon Slopes coming up here in September. Um, how's that going? Where what are you most excited about with the upcoming with the upcoming event? Well, this is our is this our fifth. I think this might be our fifth. Could be our sixth. I actually have no idea. Um, we're moving away from the Salt Palace. This this event has always been at the Salt Palace. We're moving it to the Vivint, uh, where the Jazz play, and that alone is fascinating. It's like it's like a whole new event for us. Like, how do we do this? Mm. Um, it. I want it to feel like a community event. Everybody really close to each other, being able to network and make these connections given that that is the number one thing that people tell us they get out of the event. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that, that we could figure that out and also kind of breathe some new life in it. So I'm excited to bring it to Vivint and that stage and figure out, you know, how do we put content up that's useful? We used to have, like, I've done so many different things with this event from like four tracks to 12 tracks to eight tracks. We've had like, uh, uh bands come one night and like we've had all i think we tried like a a gaming uh tournament one year we've tried all these things and every year we like get out of it and and everyone's like "Eh, we just like to talk to the community it's like a family reunion and so uh what we're trying to do is just make it like a family reunion so what i'm most excited about is perfecting that right and we'll never get uh perfect at how we organize that or how we bring this community together or what the outcome might be, but just getting better and better at like not losing focus of why that event happens and why people attend that event and why it's so prominent. I mean, uh, to have 30,000 people um, come to a tech event in the, in Utah is crazy because mm-hmm. that doesn't happen um, in Silicon Valley. <laughs> a community event right i'm not talking about like uh, dreamforce which is about a company and a vendors or or uh you know ces or anything like th- this is literally a, just like a community family reunion event it's, it's very uh, there are comparables to it but um they're rare i just got to go back to speak to how you know this organic buildup of of that community and such a strong belief in in its members, in, in its leaders, you know, in terms of the, the faith and belief that they have in, in what's happening here and what's happening within their peers and, 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 and within the community. I think it's, it's very interesting just to see, just to see how, how fierce that, that belief is, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I think it goes back to that story as well. There's this larger overarching story, the way you might attach a story to the Utah jazz, you know, players are Mm going to leave, but I still believe at one point this small market underdog team is going to win a championship, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's why, that's why we're not all like Lakers or Yankees fans. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like uh, at some point the story and being a part of something that's still building or trying to build or being there early means something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How was, uh, how was, how was it for you and the team uh, during during those those uh, couple years of COVID and and kind of dealing with everybody kind of isolating and 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 the one thing that can most greatly disrupt a, a community and and that force that you're trying to put together in this in in what was COVID? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, it changed everything. It changed everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to overstate it for us, but um, we were we were averaging a, an event a day an in-person event today because we have you know our event uh center and, and headquarters in lehigh we do events in salt lake ogden st george price utah i mean we have chapters throughout the entire state right so so we're averaging an event a day and then COVID hits and we are averaging zero events mm. ever right and that's our whole model at them um, you know I, well it's one piece of it it's the connect piece of it and so that's really critical right again like i think this only works if those three pieces are working together so we can still do the learn piece we can still rally the community which we did during during covid to kind of serve and give back which became its own thing uh but uh the connect piece was missing for a second like how do we do that how do we connect virtually we've never done that before because our bread and butter was um you know the in-person stuff 
And what we did is we pivoted to basically becoming a media company. It was really strange. We were basically like a local uh, public television uh, <laughs> uh, organization for about six months to a year. Like we were holding town halls with like the senators and governors and everyone involved in COVID and stuff and just streaming them on YouTube and getting like thousands. And I think people were shocked locally. Like how are they getting thousands and thousands of people tuning into these like youtube town halls on like a monday at like 3 p.m right uh and so getting learning the lessons of that is like hey we could do that and that's how you organize the community it's not as effective um long term as in person right but there's a piece of that and, and we'd kind of uh not invested in the way we should have in that piece anyway right so COVID kind of forced us to um like our town halls that's more people than come do an, an event right by far like at our office we're getting like 150 people when we do like these breakfasts and lunches at town hall all of a sudden we're talking like 5,000 people just streaming on you know that like that's kind of crazy if you think about it just kind of the the, uh, the reach that you have technologically and so um, we pivoted and, and we're basically like a media organization now right we we launched silicon slips tv we've really invested in um, content and trying to replicate everything that we were doing in person and transferring it. So it's super accessible to everyone um, uh, kind of on demand. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's probably a good spot to transition also then to thinking about CEO.com, um, <laughs> you know, part of that transition. And um, yeah, just maybe tell us a little bit about that, that process and, and how you, how you found yourself now doing, doing this as well. So uh, CEO.com, I'm in this interesting phase with it. It kind of reminds me of early days BI startups. Like I can throw things up against the wall, mm. see what sticks, see what doesn't. It's not that big of a deal if something doesn't work because it hasn't become its own community or its own product or its own identity yet, right? And so it, it's allowed me to do... Um, try to just try right now i'm kind of like in the testing phase of ceo.com i was putting out like a daily newsletter and we started putting out these videos some of them like really caught on some of them didn't and now we're um building kind of the version two of the product uh which is kind of a mix of all these things but like a, a true community online because what i want ceo.com to be is basically what we've created with silicon slopes but on a global scale i want to see if we can do something like uh, like Silicon Slopes, where it's not based on a region, mm -hmm. right? It's not based on like a, but but it's based around an idea. And that idea is um, the chances you take or the chances you give um, come to define you as a leader and as a person and as like, you know, and, and as, uh, you know, someone who's trying to build a company or, you know, really anything. And so that's where we're at with that is like, could we build a whole community around this idea of leadership and around this idea of the importance of taking a chance on yourself or the importance of uh, giving a chance to someone else? And uh, we'll see. I have no idea. It could fail spectacularly. We're, I'm lucky I got like the cool domain. Yeah, right. How did you get that domain? <laughs> but I think that's becoming less and less important, right? Like I'm yeah. not sure that domains are as important as no. they used to. So uh, it's kind of just like cool. It's almost like a novelty thing. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't mean as much as maybe it used to. I got the domain. Uh, Josh James owned that domain for for a really long time. Mm. Uh, bought it through domo and uh they were using it for like some uh, probably like some affiliate marketing type stuff and um i was like man uh, i'd love to start a company around that domain and i uh, kind of talked him into handing it over <laughs> nice. very good well well that that kind of um kind of connects the dots of a few a few different things you've just said um, a community for that's, that's larger than just a region. And I was going to ask you, you know, is there anything in your vision or roadmap for Silicon Slopes about collaborating a much bigger startup community? So, you know, could Silicon Slopes host a much bigger um, community for, I'm not saying, you know, the US, but even the UK, 
uh, and Europe, there's all sorts of things you could potentially do. What is in your roadmap? Is that part of it? Um, so, that, so that we serve the greater good out of you, outside Utah? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it's possible. I'm not sure something like that can be successful uh, without like, like, again, like um, it's interesting. You said the UK, I actually went to Wales and London a few years back to meet with various leaders who were um, trying to organize a tech community in their area and wanted to learn maybe some of the lessons from Silicon slopes. And they, they kind of really did want to just like take the name and brand and story and plant it there. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not. And my, my advice is like, I'm not sure anyone will care. Mm. (laughs) Like there's a whole reason over here why, uh, you know, people are attached to not even the brand and name, but the model and community and story that's been built because they've been a part of it. Right. And they want to see it succeed and, and it's their home. And, uh, uh, they they see like kind of the power uh, and incredible things that can happen inside of that. And so I think the Silicon Slopes model specifically would be really hard to replicate. Mm-hmm. Um, not the model itself, actually, I should be more accurate. Like just, just like taking Silicon Slopes and saying like, this is Silicon Slopes, London, this is Silicon Slopes, Wells, mm-hmm. this is Silicon Slopes, Oklahoma, right. Or whatever it is. I think that would be really hard, but taking the model and of the learn connect serve model and having people on the ground who actually care about you know the future of that thing they're going to be there long term um and you know they care about the stories of these people and they're going to make it awesome um i think that would be huge right um and i think you know the best communities are built like that like like an incredible community um is like south by southwest they've probably gotten like too big Right. And, and that's kind of based off of just like an event. But if you think about like early days, South by Southwest, that is fascinating how hmm. they, you know, they build that up. And now it's like, again, like I met with them in Austin, uh, some of the people who founded that a few years ago, and it seemed like they were really overwhelmed and like it almost like gone out of control. <laughs> right. But what yeah, what I don't think that they can do is go. This is South by Southwest London or Paris, right? Yeah. Like the story is like this is Austin coming together and creating this thing, right? And so there's kind of two different models. CEO.com is different because it's 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 an about an it's about an idea and it's about leadership and it's about a movement. Um, things like South by Southwest or Silicon Slopes or kind of name the thing, right? silicon valley whatever it is um they're they're all about that region they're all about that specific community and if you're not in it you probably don't care but if you're in it you care a ton and you want to make sure that it's successful Mm. yeah plus i don't really like the idea of centralized things like that right like uh, like i think I think communities should be um, decentralized as much as possible and, and leaderless as much as possible as possible. And if you look at um, Utah, for example, probably one of the most unique things about Utah startup and tech community is it's not led by venture capitalists. Mm. Most startup and tech communities around the country and even around the world at the heart of them are VCs kind of organizing the events and organizing kind of the get togethers and things like that. And there's a reason for that. They want to invest in these companies and rightfully so. Right. It's, it's, it's odd uh, that that's not true here in Utah. Right. And I think if, if other locations and startup and tech communities that are really growing right now took at least the, the model and looked at that and, and tweaked it for themselves I think uh, it would it would actually be quite incredible, but it, but it shouldn't be like me leading it, right? I guess mm-hmm. it's probably what I'm saying, like like um or whoever else from Utah trying to dictate how you know London tech community should operate, right? Like uh that that's up to them. Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting. I just think I know we need to wrap up soon. Um, I just think when we were talking about how passionate people are about this state, it's it's because it's 
I don't know. It, it's, it's because it's a relatively new state. It's, it's lots of reasons. There's space involved. There's pioneers involved. There's all sorts of things about something that's going to grow significantly over the next whatever it is, 5, 10, 50, 100 years. It's going to be incredible. Um, people want to be a part of it. And I think that even conversations Josh and I, I have had with some, you know, there are plenty of people who have connections with Utah, even if you just think about some of the organizations here and the, and the religious organizations, but there are people in Edinburgh. Do you remember Joseph Twig? Like he, he was keen to like, hey, why don't I bring, come to Silicon Slopes and talk to the investors or, or, or just network and connect because I have some connections in Utah. Um, and so I think, you know, I'm sure you've had people from other countries attend, but um, anyhow, maybe we carry that conversation another time. Yeah, it, it, and that, yeah. that's critical too, right? Like, like the goal of Silicon Slope Summit is like, let's build a globally recognized national tech event that just happens to be in Utah. Bringing people there, bringing people to the state of Utah is like the, one of the most incredible feelings ever, right? Uh, where where people from around the world are coming to Utah, like, whoa, what is this? Let's build connections. And how do we how do we connect our community with your community and kind of all the beautiful things that come out of that? That that's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, that's great yeah. stuff. I just want to ask one last question as we wrap up. Uh, so thinking about story, we talked a lot about story. So what is what do you see the uh, the future story of of of, yeah, the community, Silicon Slopes, and and the direction that we're headed in as a community? Well, I have opinions, and, and uh, I, I'd be happy to express them, but, but the real answer to that question is the community gets to write it, hmm. right? Where we go from here in this point of time um, and where we want to go is not really up to me. Uh, or or really any one individual it's it's up to the community itself and and the community gets to write that story what i think uh my personal take is like where are we headed what does silicon slopes look like where what does utah look like like five ten years from now i think we we're in this unique phase of bringing more talent in from outside the state of utah there's so much access to capital that historically didn't exist, even in like 2012, um, that I think it's, uh, the, the, our challenges will be around success. They're like success challenges, right? Because we've been so successful, housing prices have gone through the roof, right? Because we've been so successful, um, air quality is more and more of an issue because there's more people on the roads. Because we've been so successful, there's the uh, traffic issues. Uh, and so so the, all of our challenges moving forward will be around growth and how do we manage it and how do we extend access to opportunity to all and not just a few? Because the where, where I think Silicon Valley screwed up and now you're seeing like this mass exodus from, from Silicon Valley to like Miami or here or Austin or kind of name the place. I think where they screwed up is it became about access to opportunity for a few. And they didn't think about how do we make this work for everyone here. And so, you know, they, they, their housing policies, their um, crime policies. I mean, basically, I mean, name a policy. They didn't get anything right. <laughs> right. Uh, in terms of like, how do we extend access to opportunity to everyone? Um, and so for, for Utahns and for the Silicon Slopes community, and I, and I talk about this all the time, it's, it's the theme of probably every single one of my uh, keynotes at Summit. It's like, in order for this to keep working, we have to stick to this model of Learn, Connect, Serve, and we have to uh, implement that model so that it's uh, accessible to everyone and not just a few. This can't be a community of like 10 dudes, right? And it's not anymore, but but you hear what, like when I'm like, this can't be a community for just millionaires or those who've had huge exits. As soon as that starts to happen, then Everyone else gets priced out. If you don't, if you don't work in tech in Silicon Valley, you can't live in Silicon Valley. Yeah, you've been uh, priced out, and so the the um, you know the people on the ground who actually like make that 
uh, city and community run, they're, they're driving into it every day because they've been priced out. And you're seeing some of that here in the state of Utah, actually. You're seeing uh, like housing prices being what they are, expansion. You're seeing like uh, what's happening with the Great Salt Lake. One of the biggest issues in the state of Utah is probably what are they, how are they going to develop the point of Utah, uh, the, the Thanksgiving point now that the prison's being moved and you have all that acreage and like, you know, just don't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but the challenge is like, this isn't, this isn't one person, like the governor doesn't decide this. Um, I certainly don't decide this. Our senators don't decide this. Like we've got to write this together. If we leave it up to one specific faction or one specific group or one specific leader, um, then we're not going to get the outcome we want. Right. Yeah. I love that. It's a great answer. Honestly, one of, uh, I think probably one of my favorite interviews that we've, that we've done on the podcast so far, definitely worth the wait. Um, (laughs) yeah, sorry about the wait. No, 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 no. It's all good. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Clint Spencer. Any last words, Clint, anything else? No, I, I loved how you said it, you know, build, build for everyone, uh, uh, with everyone. And, and I'm sure your influence and all the connections in the community can help, you know, really influence that in the future yeah any any last words for you or any call to action yeah visit the swell creative.com <laughs> that's my that's my call to action for everyone thanks uh man. what the work you're doing is is unbelievable gentlemen uh and, and kudos to you and and the whole team it, uh it, it i love that you're in utah because uh you're, you're an organization and company and a, and a group that, that we can all be proud of and, you, and you're making this state better. That was very kind. Thank you so much. Great interview. And that's a wrap. Thank you. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a good one. Cheers, Clint. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. We, we really hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Swell Podcast. Please be sure to like and subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple. And get in on the conversation as well on all the major socials at The Swell Pod. We will see you next time.